Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have a conversation about the challenge of pastoral succession. Well, Scott, today we've got a very important conversation that you have between two current pastors in the midst of a pastoral succession. Really, I guess it's already happened and has been pretty successful. And so we wanted to have them on because when it comes to issues facing the kingdom now and how the kingdom is taking root now, uh, pastoral succession is one of them that is certainly at the top, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, Doug McPherson, a recent graduate of Northern Seminary and Bobby Bridges, at a church in Texas, and um, uh, they read together Vanderblumen and Bird's book called Next, all about succession, and it was very helpful to them. But uh, I, I think the listeners will find this conversation to be inspiring, um, a beautiful example of pastoral goodness on, on both parts, and how this can lead to succession in churches that is seamless and uh, inspiring and growing and uh, without the kind of bitter fighting that so often happens in churches. So just uh, really encouraged uh, by this conversation, and I hope uh, everybody uh, gets the same encouragement that I got from it. I agree. And I'll include a link to that resource that Scott mentioned that Doug and Bobby read through and kind of set the foundation for their conversation if you'd be interested in looking into that. But uh, I agree, such an encouraging conversation. And you you also, you'll get to experience a first for the Kingdom Roots podcast. Scott's introduced a section on the Ring of Fire rapid questions that you get at the end. So you'll enjoy that. So we're grateful to have you and hope you enjoy the episode. Today we have on the Kingdom Roots podcast um, one of Northern's graduates, Doug McPherson, uh, who finished his D-Men in New Testament context last June or this last June. And with him is Bobby Bridges. And we have a unique kind of conversation today, uh, one that concerns pastors succeeding pastors and the kind of relationships that they have or can potentially not have and how they have succeeded in this process. Because uh, I remember a few years ago, I was talking to a well-known journalist uh, and author who had been going around the nation talking to uh, megachurch pastors. And he looked at me over coffee and he said, Scott, I think a lot of these churches are going to fail because they have absolutely no idea how to how to have a successor. And he said, sometimes the churches are so built on the charismatic personality of one person that no su successor can ever be that person. So uh, it got me thinking at that time about succession. And uh, I would like to start with, um, with Bobby uh, and then uh, with Doug on some of the um, initial ideas that they had about succession and some of the most important ideas and practices that they developed 
so that succession could happen successfully. So I'll turn it over to Bobby, and you're you're free, Bobby, to say anything you want. But okay. you can't say bad things about the Chicago Cubs. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I wouldn't anyway. They're, uh, they're one of our favorites from that area, so we're good. Um, a, a few years ago, I began to realize that uh, coming closer and closer would be the idea of retirement for me. Uh, and my wife had retired, and she was beginning to talk more about that. That's uh, a lot of pressure in its own. Um, but I began to uh, think in terms of younger blood in our church, and and uh, we had the, the uh, vacation of the, of the role of minister to preschoolers and children. And uh, while we were trying to think of filling that role, uh, I was in contact with uh, members of a church in Fort Worth, where Doug was, uh, about the fact that why didn't I consider Doug? And uh, I thought about that. I thought that would be a unique thing to have uh, a man in charge of preschool and children's work, and actually uh, it rolled over into education. Mm-hmm. So I made an appointment to go see Doug, and and in visiting with him the first time, I think both of us realized that while this wasn't exactly what his uh, plan incorporated, uh, there was a uniqueness about it, and uh, I made mention in that meeting uh, of the idea that maybe he could succeed me as pastor of this church, that retirement would definitely be coming in the next few years. And that's how it all began, and, and the idea of succession, I think, uh, was just born in my mind, having seen it happen in some of the larger churches uh, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Doug, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, um, when Bobby and I first met, you know, of course, it, the job we were talking about was a little different than than what I was trained in and what uh, I'd been doing. I'd been a minister of singles and missions and, and outreach and that sort of thing and um, had wanted my my desire and what I felt like my call was was to move toward a, a lead pastor type of role. Um, so the preschool and children thing really was was quite different than than uh, anything I'd entertained before. And uh, even in that conversation, when Bobby mentioned the possibility of a succession, that you know that made it a bit more enticing. But it was also it was very much a possibility. This was not a guarantee. It wasn't something that I, I felt like even I should. Um, should really bank on moving forward. Um, so it, it was an idea, but it was an idea that I just didn't spend a whole lot of time dwelling on just because there was so much other, so many other factors to consider and so much other time to, before that would be a relevant thought. Um, so yeah, we went into it, my wife and I went into it praying about it, looking for, uh, is this a, a fit for us now? Is this a fit for our gifts? And, um, Again, it was a stretch, but there were other parts of it, you know, getting to preach, getting to fill sort of the associate pastor role, getting to, to take a lead on discipleship. Those very much fit with my interest in gifts, and and uh, I felt like, you know, I may not be trained as a preschool children's guy, but I, I am a father, so I can at least come at it from that angle and, and gather around some, some other good folks. Of course, Bobby's wife, Judy, who had done that role, was still here, so... 
she was really generous to to help me a lot and uh, so it made it it was not something I expected to go into but it made it work all right now uh, you guys are being really nice here so let's let's ask some of the tougher questions all right. you know there's a there's a, there are some funny stories about wa Chriswell uh, <laughs> I don't know how many of them are true but I believe every one of them just for the fun of and uh, you know the goofiness of, of what happened is that uh, he was still around uh, First Baptist Dallas. I think that's the name of the church. Yep. And um, it created quite a bit of problem for successors. So, to me, this is uh, this is a question that I've been asked, and frankly, I I don't have answers for it because I don't have experience with it. I've been asked uh, a couple of times in the last uh, two years uh, if. If I thought a pastor who was leaving and going to be succeeded, should the pastor stay in the church? And, you know, I've kind of punted with uh, it just it sort of depends on that pastor, doesn't it? And so I think a a really hard question here uh, that many people would like to hear about is how you've been able to stay, Bobby, uh, with um, Doug succeeding. Uh, how, what's it What's it feel like? Well, first, let me say it's interesting you brought up First Baptist Dallas because I did an internship with Dr. Criswell and one of those persons who was supposed to succeed him, and it didn't work out. Oh, for you? So I'm very, uh, well, it wasn't me. I was just oh. doing an internship, but I realized okay. what was happening uh, <laughs> there, and all your stories that you've heard are probably, like you say, true. Um, my, my idea is that, uh, uh, to succeed, uh, to go through a succession program and to be able to make it work depends on people's personalities, mm-hmm. uh, and determination. I like Doug from not only the first time I met him, but because my uh, son and his wife went to the church where Doug was, I knew more about him than perhaps he he realized I knew he could preach and preach well. I knew he was an organizer. Uh, that was an extremely important thing to any role here. Uh, and I knew that I would be a supporter uh, of whomever came into the church so long as I was here. In the beginning, my idea might have been more uh, toward the traditional idea, and that is that I would leave and let him take the role Uh but I had a very strong pastoral uh, role in the church, and I think that had we done it that way, it might have been a little bit of a, a different kind of uh, response from the church, at least immediately. Bringing Doug in and letting them see him, asking him to preach at least once a month so they could hear him. Uh, they were watching his administrative abilities. They were listening to him preach, and the church had time to fall in love with him, uh, and that uh, that along with the personalities of uh, wanting to serve together and wanting to be supportive, uh, I think of each other is is a secret to it. Well, I I think that's uh, I, I I know Dennis Wiles and I've been to his church. That's in Arlington, isn't it? Tom? Yes, First First Baptist Arlington. Yeah. yeah. And I believe the his the person who was who was his predecessor is still in that church as well. Yes, Dr. Charles Wade is still there. Yeah, and so and and he came up to me and when I was speaking there, 
And I thought, well, this is really cool is that, uh, is that he's here with Dennis and they get along well. Tell me what, uh, Bobby, there, there have got to be moments when you would say I would do that differently. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think in, in every person's, uh, uh, career, if you have someone who follows you, you think in your mind, how would I preach this? How would I say that? How would I do this? Uh, I think that's a normal thing for most people to do. And yeah, there have been a few times like that, but it hasn't been the kind of thing to say he's doing it all wrong. Yeah. It's just my idea might have been just a little bit different or the surprise of his uh, foresight to do something with such creativity. I was uh, taken taken away with that. Well, that's good, Doug. How has it how has it been for you to have Bobby around? For me, it's been uh, every bit as positive as I would have ever hoped for. Um, and a big part of it, Scott, is because uh, you've heard his humility. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, I think personalities matter, but I think the hum- humility. That character is character, what matters yeah. most. Yeah, um, yeah. So Bobby and I came in, and we formed a pretty fast friendship, and and so we we built a pretty strong amount of trust too. So even before we were really talking and moving toward the succession uh, plan with intentionality, there was still a lot of trust that he um, that he placed in me. And a lot of trust that our, we enjoyed in our relating to each other. So we would have, you know, closed door conversations uh, where I would disagree or where I would push back or where, you know, where we would just talk through different things and be very, very open and frank. But then when we walk out of the doors, uh, we're we're together, we're unified, we want to work together. And I think I think the church uh, saw that, and I think that set the foundation for us to be able to move forward in a succession and say, you know, yeah, we really can still relate to each other through this baton passing. And uh, Bobby has been my number one cheerleader from day one. He's been unequivocal in his support. Um, and and he's he's been faithful where there has been, um, you know, some backstory that I need to know. He's always been good to come and tell me, but to come and tell me in private. Um, and so he's he's very mindful and respectful of that. Um, you know, he let me lead as we were moving toward the succession plan. He let me take the lead on hiring our student pastor. Um, he, he's given me lots of opportunities to kind of stretch and grow along the way. Um, and then at the handoff, um, the Sunday morning where it was his last Sunday to preach as lead pastor, he called me forward. His wife was there. My wife was there. He recounted the story to our church. And then he said, as of this moment, I am now the care pastor of this church, and this is my pastor. And uh, that was an important part of an important moment for me and for our church. And uh, so he's led with, with humility, and uh, it's I've just been a recipient uh, of the blessing from that. Well, this is this is an unbelievable uh, story, and uh, it's it's so encouraging. Um, Chicago land right now has two 
percolating stories that are quite different. Stories of pastors at Bill Hybels at Willow Creek, James McDonald at uh, Harvest Bible Chapel, where uh, the standard, uh, one of the, you know, the standard problem seems to be power mongering and, and ego strength and, uh, you know, just very strong minded people who uh, want to run things their way. And um, Doug knows this, but Bobby, for a couple of years, I worked on a set of lectures that I started at uh, a Nazarene seminary, and they're at a publisher now uh, on Pastor Paul. And I, I focused, uh, not, not at length, but I focused in the first chapter on common themes of pastoring, like preaching, etc., and... Um, I also talked about two, what I think are the two major temptations for pastors in the Western world that we live in, and they are celebrity and power. I didn't focus on sex or money uh, because I think um, some people would explain the sex and money things as flowing out of the power and celebrity. And so uh, what I'm what I'm hearing right here, uh, Bobby, from you. And Doug, you're going to be put on the spot here in a second. Um, is that this, Bobby, you're the kind of pastor who doesn't seem to be too in love with himself and too much concerned with power and celebrity, but you, you're concerned with the church, that it grows in Christ. And if it grows in Christ, uh, you don't have to get the credit. And that's such, such great news in a world where we're not seeing enough of this among pastors. So, so when you talked about personality and Doug uh, connected personality to character, that's the first thing that struck me uh, in our conversation today is I can see, Bobby, I can see you uh, handing off uh, leadership to someone and doing it well. And probably if Doug uh, were not doing well, you'd be able to help him see what he's not doing well and, and help him grow. So Doug, um, in light of this relationship, you can talk about power and celebrity and Bobby. I wonder what you would say are the top three suggestions needed for people who begin to consider succession plans. And then, Bobby, I'd like you to respond to how Doug talks about that. Okay. I, I think the first question would have to be, is there trust between the outgoing pastor and the incoming pastor. And, you know, it, I, I know every relationship has its beginning, but early in that conversation uh, has to be, how is the trust level? How is the trust being built here? Uh, is there, does there seem to be a, a healthy beginning to a trusting relationship? Um, the, the leading literature, there's not much out there, but uh, the leading writing out there puts it all back on uh, the big part of it, on the outgoing pastor. And can he trust the incoming pastor? Wow. Can the incoming pastor trust the outgoing pastor not to go behind his back or whatever? So that, that trust is the first question. The second question is, um, what people or, or, or resources are around to kind of help facilitate the process? Um, Succession is not an event, it is a process. 
and it yeah. takes time and it's different from one church to another. So I think you could, you know, you may have even a template, you know, depending on your denominational background and tradition, there may be kind of a template in place, but it's going to look different from church to church. And uh, the variable is going to be the people that are involved in that process and who can speak into it. And so we, the first thing we did when it was time for us to really begin being proactive in this plan was we pulled together a succession advisory team of some key leaders within our church and a key leader within our uh, our association to come in to speak into it, that process and to help us work through that process together. Um, those are the, the first two big questions. Um, a third question might be, um, what does what does success look like? Um, what's the best thing for the church two years from now, three years from now? And then uh, that'll help you kind of have a target that you can begin working toward together. Okay, I want to I want to jump in here. Uh, Chaz is supposed to let me know when we're starting to run out of time, but. Um, uh, Doug and Bobby, because of what's happened in Chicagoland in the last four, five, six months, uh, it has thrown so many of my conversations in the direction of what happened at a place like Willow Creek. And I came up with kind of a, a four-dimension um, chart that it, it involves pastors, congregations, culture, and systemic organization. That a, that a pastor and a congregation have interactions that over time um, emerge into a culture, and that culture then becomes systematized into a systemic organization, and that systemic organization then begins to influence the culture, and all four of these things begin to influence one another so that it takes on a life of its own, so that churches uh, end up almost having personalities. And to me, one of the issues here is um, is that um, 19 years of successful pastoring on your part, Bobby, led to a, a, the formation of a culture that was left residues, uh, left structures in the church that were connected to the culture that you were able to um, nurture. So, so the tension, I think, would often uh, arise in a new personality that comes in. I wonder, uh, Bobby, if you could disagree or agree with that analysis of those four points of pastor, congregation, culture, and systemic organization, and how you see that uh, shaping what's going on with Doug as a successor. I think that's a, a perfect analogy of what goes on in churches, in pastoral relationships. Uh, and I think that if you can uh, guide that process carefully, uh, again, with the word that we've used before, and that is the word of trust, you can set the stage for something different uh, to be done, and the, and the people in the congregation will, will trust what you're doing. For instance, in our church, uh, we have three committees that are the administrative arm uh, of the church, and, and we prepare a business uh, packet, and we give it out on a week. We have a discussion on the Wednesday between, and the next week we vote on all our business uh, material. 
once um, a quarter. Okay. We had to move to that from once a month and and a whole time designated to uh, all kinds of debate about every little issue. Uh, we we were able to get through uh, that change without any difficulty mm. uh, in a Baptist church. That's rare. Mm. And um, we were able to do that, I think, because we'd established a sense of trust on who's on the committees, uh, how well they perform, how carefully they stay in tune with the congregation. Um, uh, we had sometime before that uh, given de deacons the duty of simply supporting the pastor and staff and and doing pastoral care and ministry. So so uh, it worked out really well for them to have a, a good item to look at and say, this really worked well. Mm. Um, that kind of thing built into the the culture and the interactiveness and, and um, organizational structure and all that. It, it, it's extremely important, again, that the trust factor is, is painted in somewhere. Uh, so that when you come to another thing like a succession program, uh, they say, we've been through this kind of thing before, something totally new, but it worked. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so they're ready for it. Okay, Bobby, I'm going to say that uh, you and Doug like to talk about trust. I, I think uh, deeper than trust is goodness. Uh, and this is a word that we don't in uh, Protestants, <laughs> and I'm going to include the Baptists as a Protestant movement. <laughs> we'll take <laughs> you, that. Yeah, sometimes you like to think you're on your own, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, but um, goodness is not a word we use that much in the church. But when there is goodness, there is trust, and goodness is deeper than trust, and we uh, we need. When, uh, let's just say, a church culture is formed between a pastor and a congregation, especially if they can start the church, and there is a, an abundance of goodness in both the, the pastor, the leaders, and the congregation, uh, a culture that honors and glorifies Christ is so much easier to form than if you get a, an irascible pastor with some fighting people who are at war with one another they form cultures that are just not very good, and they end up having organizations that are about power checking rather than uh, bringing glory to Christ. So I, uh, I see a lot of goodness here. I know Doug, and I see a lot of goodness in Doug, and uh, I can see how you two can work together. Uh, and I also know that we're running out of time. So I want to start something on the Kingdom Roots podcast I call... I'm going to call the ring of fire questions. I've got 10 questions. I want you to answer them quickly. And uh, Doug, since you're the lead pastor, we're going to start with you now. And okay. then the second question will go to Bobby. So the question is this. If you could preach in any place in the world, where would it be? It can't be where you are now. Come on. All right. Uh, the Mount of Beatitudes. Oh, man. Okay, Bobby, if you could ban any theologian from the church, who would it be? Oh, my goodness. That's that's a tough question because I'm familiar with so many of them. I think, <laughs> I think uh, probably anyone in the category of ultra-liberal approach, I would, I would not feel comfortable with that. Okay. 
Okay, uh, Doug, who's your favorite writer or author? Uh, including present company? Uh, excluding present company. Excluding present company. That. I'm not in that group. All right. Uh, I, I would say um, uh, N.T. Wright. All right. Bobby, who's your favorite novelist? Hmm. Uh, a strange one, I'm sure. Uh, Hauk who is um, oh, a, yeah. a Jewish guy yeah, yeah. Uh, who has written a lot of uh, interesting work. Uh, at the very same time, he has written a book that intrigues me called This Is My God. Mm. And uh, he, he takes you through the whole Jewish faith uh, just tremendously. So I, I'm influenced by him quite a bit. All right. Doug, Doug your favorite sport? Uh, football. Bobby, your favorite athlete? Oh, this one will be a surprise to you as well, but I think uh, uh, Josh Hamilton would have to be. Okay. The tattooed artist. Yes. yes, yes. Doug, your favorite movie? Braveheart. Braveheart. Okay, uh, Bobby, your favorite song? Of uh, all the wide spectrum, yep. I would have to say Amazing Grace. <laughs> Amazing Grace. <laughs> One okay, expect. you're a pastor. Yeah. Doug. <laughs> all right, Doug, this is the question of the day. Oh, would mercy. you like to see Texas become a country of its own? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Every time it comes up, I write, to, I write a letter to Daryl Bach, and he says, oh, Scott, it's not going to happen. All right. So both of you, have you seen Walk the Line or Mamma Mia 2? No, I haven't. Either no, one. I haven't either, but I'm intrigued by them. <laughs> Walk the Line. You got to watch Walk the Line. Okay. Well, I want to thank you two for coming on. I'll, I'll tell you what I think this session is one of the most inspiring sessions we've ever had on the Kingdom Roots podcast because uh, I think we encountered a taste of goodness of leaders who trust one another and a succession plan that was as easy, it was easy or smooth because people are committed to uh, bringing glory to the Lord. So I want to thank both of you ta for taking your time to come on our podcast. Thank you, thank sir. Thank you, Scott.